Section 9 of Practical Forestry in the Pacific Northwest by Edward Tyson Allen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Forestry and the Farmer. Cutting Methods. If there is anyone for whom the practice of forestry is practical and profitable, it is the farmer who owns the timber he uses for fuel and other purposes. His supply of the most suitable material is almost always limited, and in any case his method of using it is practically certain to influence his permanent labor expenses. Nevertheless, especially in well-timbered regions, cutting is apt to be with but two considerations the quickest clearing of land or the easiest immediate fulfillment of some need for tree products and the passage of a few years brings realization that this early thoughtlessness must be paid for at a high price in the first place almost all timber of a commercial species has real and increasing value if it is young this value is increasing doubly because of growth varying greatly of course young timber in the pacific northwest very often adds from five hundred to one thousand board feet to the acre annually this annual gain is taking place even if the timber has not reached merchantable size being like coin deposited in a toy bank which does not open until full and this is true whether the ultimate use may be for fuel poles or saleable material like tie or saw timber too much land is cleared of young growth merely because such clearing is easy which is of such low value for tilling or even pasture that its use for these purposes does not pay as well in the long run as would its use for growing timber especially when the investment of clearing is considered the resulting expanse of charred stumps and logs producing little but ferns is a small farm asset at best the timber it would grow may eventually be a large asset and the labor of clearing applied to a smaller tract of good land is sure to bring greater returns an illustration is furnished by two tracts near the end of a recently completed railroad in western washington twenty years ago a settler slashed a large area of presumably worthless sapling fir adjoining his tillable bottom land set fire to it piled and burned the remaining poles seeded down a pasture and enclosed it by an expensive cedar rail fence the pasture never useful except in early spring grew up to ferns and was finally abandoned even the fence was moved the settler on the next claim left his part of the same sapling growth to grow and this year sold the timber alone for one thousand dollars to a tie mill which came into the neighborhood with the railroad the moral of this does not apply to cutting alone but argues equally for preventing fire in second growth it is also poor economy if mature timber exists to cut rapidly growing young timber for fuel because it is nearer the house or easier to cut the former has become stationary in production while the latter if left is earning money by growing in quantity and quality if young timber must be used and the land is not worth actually clearing for cultivation or pasture it is usually far better to thin out the poorest trees thus leaving the remainder stimulated to a more rapid growth which will soon replace those removed than to begin on the edge and take everything there is no reason why a certain poor soiled timbered portion of the average claim should not be considered as a permanent wood lot to be treated with the same interest and pride in making it produce the greatest quantity of forest products for sale or use that the owner accords his fields with this point of view established and consequent study given the subject it will also be easier to decide how large this portion should be in many cases the result will be abandonment of the area that all forest growth is an enemy to be destroyed on general principles without calculating what actual profit there is in destruction 
another point often overlooked in the pacific northwest because of our local tendency to consider the forest only as something to struggle against is the exactly opposite influence of properly placed tree growth upon sale values if the prospective buyer is from the east or from our own cities or tree-less regions such are attracted strongly by the grove-like effect of a few trees left around the house their desire for this is as strongly ingrained as the average local resident's desire for a completely free outlook to mark his victory over unfriendly nature. The appeal a place makes to a buyer as a pleasant home has frequently as important an influence on his decision as its purely practical merits. His judgment of the latter, however, is also affected by his earlier environment. If he has lived where farming land is open, evidences of the labor of clearing are discouraging the untouched forest being totally beyond his capacity to estimate the labor its removal entails repels him less than stumps logs desolate burnings and other like detailed evidences of the work which lies before him this is another reason why the clearing of clearly fertile land may be better business than the half clearing of land perhaps best suited for forest growth anyway again not fully realizing the plentifulness of forest products in the new locality he may actually overestimate the value of an attractive piece of forest land showing evidence of the thoughtful care suggested in a preceding paragraph use of fire above all it pays the settler in wooded regions to be careful with fire properly directed and confined fire is necessary in clearing land but there is no profit in allowing uncontrolled fire to spread from the actual clearing to create a snarl of dead decaying and falling trees and underbrush it is usually harder to extend the clearing into such ground than into the green timber this added work later is many times that necessary to safeguard the burning in the first place in every case that fire has ever escaped from clearing operations the cause was either thoughtlessness or unwillingness to perform certain work because it is easier to burn a slashing than to pile and burn or when a ground burn is desirable because it is easier to take chances than to clear a fire line around the area and have a force of men present because burning at a dry dangerous time will be cleaner and thus save work after the fire inexperience coupled with unwillingness to take advice from the experienced these and like reasons are responsible for the destruction of lives and property worth over and over again the sum that was saved by the attempted economy and although this does not save others the person responsible also usually loses instead of gaining without deprecating in the least the importance of agricultural development or of lightening the useful and not easy task of the settler it is still terribly true that the agricultural industry and the settler suffer an annual loss through the destruction of improvements crops and stock by fires from careless clearing that is far greater financially than the saving in clearing cost which was the cause in other words agricultural development is retarded instead of advanced by its present careless use of fire planting for fuel and timber great as are the timber resources of the pacific northwest there are extensive regions in central and eastern oregon and washington where timber is a scarcity and wood for fuel and farm repair purposes for settlers and ranchers can be attained only at heavy cost in such situations it will be a paying investment for the farmer to set out a small plantation simply to produce his own wood for fuel fence posts and other purposes it is true that some time must elapse before plantations begin to be productive but by choosing rapid growing species and planting closely the thinnings which will be necessary in a few years even though the trees be small will do for the woodpile trees which grow rapidly and at the same time produce good wood are of course preferable if they also sprout from the stump a little care will maintain the supply indefinitely 
the choice of species for a woodlot must be governed to a great extent by the location many portions of the treeless areas in this region are situated at a high altitude where the climatic conditions are severe and frosts are common throughout every month of the year in such locations only the most hardy trees will succeed other areas are deficient in moisture and where this deficiency is so great as to prohibit the growing of agricultural crops by dry farming it is useless to attempt growing trees without irrigation probably the tree most commonly planted in treeless regions has been some species of cottonwood lombardy poplar and balm of gilead have been great favorites cottonwood grows rapidly and is hardy against frost but requires a never-failing supply of water within five to twenty feet of the surface because of its demands for moisture it will not grow on uplands but thrives along watercourses or where there is plentiful supply of moisture below the surface its fuel value is not high though the quantity of its wood production compensates for its poor quality nor does it make good fence posts where quick growth is the main consideration however it is a good tree to plant the varieties known as norway and carolina poplar are the best green ash and hackberry are also hardy against both cold and moisture but of slow growth their wood is durable in contact with the soil making them suitable for fence posts where it succeeds black locust combines many of the desirable qualities to the highest degree it is a rapid grower makes excellent fence posts and has high fuel value it is not as hardy against frost as cottonwood and ash and while it has been planted successfully in sheltered locations on high plateaus its success where frosts occur during the summer months is problematical a closely related species honey locust is more frost hardy but less desirable in other respects though an excellent tree nevertheless other fairly hardy and drought resistant trees are osage orange and russian mulberry their value for fuel and fence posts is high but they will not succeed in the most severe situations box elder is hardy and has been widely planted but it is of low fuel value and short-lived in favorable localities at low altitudes where moisture is abundant either through natural precipitation or from irrigation the number of species which are adapted to woodlot planting is largely increased black walnut black cherry and hardy catalpa are probably the most valuable of these the latter however is sensitive to early and late frosts windbreaks the planting of windbreaks and shelter belts around dwellings and fields is of prime importance to the settler in an open country nothing adds more to the comfort of the dweller than a belt of timber about the home to protect it from the wind orchards need windbreaks to save them from injury in a wind-swept country and gardens are more successful when surrounded by trees one of the most important functions of the windbreak however is the saving of soil moisture within the protected area for it is a well-established fact that evaporation takes place more rapidly when there is a movement of the atmosphere than when it is calm it is safe to say that a windbreak is effective in preventing evaporation for a distance equal to ten to fifteen times its height some species because of the form of their crowns and their rapid growth are more effective for windbreaks than others since more coniferous trees regain their foliage through the entire year they afford protection in the winter as well as in the summer such species as western yellow scotch and austrian pine grow rapidly are hardy and serve the purpose well in regions of abundant moisture douglas fir or norway and sitka spruce are unequaled european larch has also been very successful in many regions but unlike most conifers it sheds its leaves in winter where a windbreak is to consist of a single row only it should be of a densely growing type that branches close to the ground for low breaks of this character the russian mulberry and osage orange are excellent 
Trees for woodlot or windbreak planting can be purchased from commercial nurserymen or grown by the farmer. Many growers of orchard trees, particularly in the states in the Middle West, do a large business in forest tree seedlings. Since the transportation charges are often high, and since most farmers can give the attention and labor necessary to raising the trees themselves without inconvenience or extra expense, it is often desirable for them to do so. The Forest Service of the U.S. Department of Agriculture has issued several publications containing full directions for the establishment of nurseries, and these can be obtained from the Superintendent of Public Documents, Washington, D.C., free, or at a nominal cost. Planting may be done in the spring or fall, the latter being often preferable in regions where a dry season occurs early in the summer. For plantations of broadleaf species, one-year-old seedlings are best suited, while coniferous species should be two to three years old. The chief points to remember in setting out the trees are not to allow the roots, particularly of coniferous trees, to dry out, to dig the holes large enough to enable the roots to take a normal position without doubling up, and to pack the soil firmly around them. Where planting is done on open ground, it is highly advantageous to plow and harrow the soil before setting out the trees in order to preserve the moisture and kill weeds and sod. Willows, cottonwoods, and other poplars are very easily propagated from cuttings. Cuttings should be of strong, healthy wood of the previous season's growth, which ripened well and did not shrivel during the winter. A good length is 8 to 12 inches, with the upper cut just above a bud. They may be made when wanted and planted with a spade, or, if the ground is mellow, they can be merely shoved into the soil until only one bud is above the surface, and then tramped. The spacing of the trees is a question largely of utility, with some variation for different species. In general, however, close planting is advisable in treeless regions, since an artificial forest must stand in a dense mass if it is to succeed in the struggle against native vegetation, wind, sunrise, frost, and dry weather. A single tree or row unprotected by associates has a poorer chance. Cultivation is the best method of conserving soil moisture. To obtain the best results, plantations should be cultivated if possible at least during the first few years. The less care the trees are to have, the thicker they should be set in order that they will be close enough to establish forest conditions of shade, litter, and underbrush. Thinnings can then be made as they grow and need more room. The material thus obtained will provide an early supply of fuel, stakes, and posts. A spacing of 4 by 4 feet is common, but this does not allow for cultivation. For this reason, 2 by 8 feet is preferable. Shelter belts should be planted closely in order to give protection quickly. Cost. The cost of planting is not great. Broadleaf seedlings will cost from $1 to $6 per thousand at the nursery. Coniferous plants $2.50 to $10. If grown at home, the cost will be greatly reduced. The preparation of the soil by plowing and harrowing should not exceed $2 per acre, and planting from $2.50 to $5 per thousand, according to the species, the method used, and the condition of the soil. End of section 9